Admit it. There are things that make you angry. Be honest with yourself. You have times when you do a better job controlling your anger than other times. Sometimes the result of your anger is productive. Well, maybe. Often the result of your demonstration of angry, your angry outburst, is not very helpful. And to make it even more complicated, sometimes you understand why you got angry. Often you don't have a clue why so many people nurture anger in our world, especially in America today. And lots of times you just feel like crap after you got upset and blurted out angry words. Yep, you just heard me say crap. Deal with it, please. Although not everyone agrees, because a recent survey contradicts this, and I'll tell you more about that survey later, rarely does your anger bring about good things. My friends, that's my opinion. And on a larger scale, because we know that anger is not only close to home, but also out into the world around us, in our community, in the nation, in the world. We know that. Why do some of our leaders seemingly promote anger, violence, and unrest in others with the perceived goal to bring about further conflict, anger, and division among groups and among people? Admit it. You struggle with angry. I know you do, whether it's yours or someone else's anger. And admit it, you are no expert when it comes to anger. My friends, if any of these statements or questions that I just shared ring true for you at all, welcome to humanity. Although it's difficult, I think, to uncover and reveal the actual role of raw anger in this week's reading in 1 Peter, we do know that Peter was writing to people of faith who were suffering at the hands of a very hostile world, especially hostility that was being demonstrated toward the first Christians. Here in this letter that we're going to hear from today, Peter encourages his hearers to be assured that God has overcome the world with grace, hope, and enduring holy love, and that hostility toward one another for any reason is not God's way of managing our anger. I share with you today a reading from 1 Peter chapter 3. Finally, all of you should agree and have concern and love for each other. You should also be kind and humble. Don't be hateful and insult people just because they are hateful and insult you. Instead, treat everyone with kindness. You are God's chosen ones and he will bless you, the scriptures say. Do you really love life? Do you want to be happy? Then stop saying cruel things and quit telling lies. Give up your evil ways and do right just as you find and follow the road that leads to peace. The Lord watches over everyone who obeys him, and he listens to their prayers. But the Lord opposes everyone who does evil. 
Can anyone really harm you for being eager to do good deeds? Even if you have to suffer for doing good things, God will bless you. So stop being afraid and don't worry about what people might do to you. Honor Christ and let Him be the Lord of your life. Always be ready to give an answer when someone asks you about your hope. My friends, this is the word of the Lord for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts today, may they be truly acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we all know that with many demonstrations and shootings and anger and violence and civil unrest, especially in America today, although we know it's not limited to America, it's not hard at all to find articles and even surveys on the many dimensions of anger. In fact, in this sermon, we're going to be looking at one of those surveys in just a few moments. But for now, let me give you just one example that I personally feel might be pertinent to this discussion about anger. According to NBC News just a few days ago, a recent TSA, TSA, those are the people that do the inspecting at airports, according to them, a report showed some very curious facts when it comes to, I think, loaded guns. As of September 2020, the average number of people flying these days is down 75%, but the number of guns confiscated by TSA has tripled. But that's not all. 80% of the guns seized by TSA are loaded. Now, am I saying there's a direct connection between a loaded gun and anger? No, I'm not saying that at all. I don't know that. I'm not a psychologist. I don't know enough about the direct connection. But I would say that a person carrying a loaded gun can be just as calm, careful, gentle, caring. They can be just as, they can be all that. Or they can be just as angry and reckless as the next person. So either way, I still find these recent TSA statistics about confiscated guns to be kind of interesting and curious. So why are we talking about anger today? Haven't we heard enough lately? Some of us are probably tired of the evening news, tired of uh, opening our phone or our tablet or the newspaper and seeing one more barrage of, of pictures of angry people and stories about angry people and politicians and all their comments about anger. I would bet most of us are just tired of it. Isn't it high time for everybody to just stop, take a breath, and calm down? I mean, honestly, What, if anything, can we learn about the river of anger flowing through today's world? Well, this week, my friends, we continue the new series about cornerstones. And with so many thoughts, headlines, weekly discussions, and even it's been coming up in our daily prayers, all this stuff about the prevalence of anger today, I decided it was time for us to inspect and analyze 
some aspects of the anger that saturates the morning and evening news and might possibly even be present in our daily lives as well. So where's all this anger coming from? Why do we get angry? And does anger have a purpose? I can tell you on that last question, the jury is still out on that one. And what if anything? Really, what can we do to diffuse all their anger around us? And what can we do to diffuse the anger within us? In the January 2019 edition of the Atlantic magazine, James Averill, that's A-V-E-R-I-L-L, a psychology professor, conducted uh, what I think is a very revealing survey about anger in America. And although we don't have the time and the space here in this sermon to include the whole article, as much as I would love to, very significantly, my friends, and against what others might believe, this is what Averill learned from his survey. And this is a quote. In the vast majority of cases surveyed, expressing anger resulted in all parties becoming more willing to listen, more inclined to speak honestly, more accommodating of each other's complaints. People reported that they tended to be much happier after yelling at an offending party. These same people felt relieved, more optimistic about the future, and more energized. In fact, the ratio of beneficial to harmful consequences was about three to one for angry persons. Even the targets of those outbursts agreed that the shouting and the, the, the screaming had actually helped. They served as signals for the wrongdoers to listen more carefully and to change their ways. More than two-thirds of the recipients of anger said, and this is a quote in his report here, said they came to realize their own faults and failures. Their relationship with the angry person was reportedly strengthened more often than it was weakened, and the targets more often gained rather than lost respect for the person who got angry. Averill later wrote, summing up his research in a journal, The American Psychologist, quote, Anger is one of the densest forms of communication. It conveys more information more quickly than almost any other type of emotion, end quote. Okay, in general then, what can we say about the perceived role of anger? Well, let me ask a few questions here. Should anger have a role in maintaining law and order in an effort to control the out-of-control angry masses? And what if the proper place for those individuals who decide to carry and use their assault weapon, what's the proper place for them in order to overcome violence with more violence? Is that a defensible use of anger? Again, what is the role of anger here? What should be the role of anger? Is this an example of what you'd call righteous anger? Is it possibly pursuing justice for all? Or is it pursuing justice for only an elect few? Is this simply protecting life and property as some would say? Or is much of this anger 
that we've witnessed, and we've witnessed a lot of it lately, is it just another excuse to raise hell and destroy those things in which I or someone else strongly disagrees with, so to speak. So exactly, if there can be such a thing, exactly how should we as Christians encounter, observe, and manage anger, whether it's ours or someone else's? Is anger as valuable and purposeful an emotion as the aforementioned survey suggests? What, if anything, can we learn from understanding anger, whether it's someone else's or whether it's our own? Well, I'm no scholar when it comes to the Bible, my friends, but I think it's fair to say that in Peter's time, biblical times, the first century, during the very early stages of what we would call the development of the Christian faith, there was a not-so-curious intersection between religion, society, anger, and the political climate. In fact, during those days, I believe that politics and religion were often one and the same. I'm not sure you could even say it was a happy marriage because it seems to me, as a 21st century observer, that there was a natural uh, confluence, a natural joining between religion and politics back then. And that any clear lines between those two entities were almost always blurred. And what with the 2020 presidential campaign trail heating up, and we all know it is, I think there's once again, in my opinion, a curious confluence of politics, anger, the struggles of society, and religion. Indeed, Honestly, if we've been reading and listening to the news, the role of anger and the religious response to managing that anger has become a significant role in our 2020 election. And again, that's my opinion. In fact, both candidates of the major parties are doing what it takes to appeal to the religious voter and to somehow resonate with that voter's stance on the role of anger in society as well as the anger management beliefs and practices of those seeking political power and political gain. After all, and again, this is my opinion, it appears to me that while one political party desires to walk with the angry, seek to understand their anger, and then push for systemic change to the machinery of public safety, the other political party will exercise their right to control angry outbursts by wielding the current fists of law and order and at the protection. Why? To protect life, liberty, and property, period. No changes in any systems are needed. The people who are riding and causing on raising cane, they need to be the ones to stand down and find their place in society. Clearly, my friends, without sounding political here, this is not about politics. This is about the anger you and I deal with and experience and encounter and manage every day of our lives. Clearly, people differ. We differ when it comes to acknowledging, understanding, and managing anger, whether it's our own or 
someone else's anger. Recently, we got a ways to go yet, friends, so hold on. Recently, especially in the daily First Devotions prayer list, that's the email prayer list that goes out from Yuma First every day of the year. A number of Yuma First people have been praying for peace. They've been praying for the rioters and for violent protesters to cease. They've been praying for demonstrators to calm down. They've been praying for safety for those who are in a public safety role. And they've been praying for law and order to rule the day. All of these, my friends, these are our friends. These are people who are part of our community. We've never talked about it, but we all know we disagree on how we understand and manage anger, whether it's our own or someone else's. Allow me to share just a couple of these prayers with you because this is important. Please stay with me for a minute. Here's a couple of these prayers. I'm praying today for those in leadership to be honest with the American public about who's actually behind the demonstrations and the unrest in our nation and that these people be brought to justice. Here's another one. I also offer prayers today for God to watch over the many angry rioters in our nation, especially those who are resorting to criminal actions. I'm also offering prayers for our nation to overcome racial injustice and hatred and learn to love and genuinely accept all people. Friends, here's another prayer that is so powerful. This was offered as one of the prayers of the people in our Sunday prayers, oh, six or seven weeks ago. Um, Powerful prayer. You might remember this prayer. Here it is. Father, there are trials and tests all around us. Loss of life, loss of livelihood, loss of in-person human contact. There's a reckoning going on in history. It is a scary world right now, and yet we know that the angels always tell us to fear not. Help us not to be afraid and to trust that you are in charge, in control, and have the plan well in hand. Help us to not see troubles and events as good or bad, but as opportunities to become stronger more innovative and creative, more reliant upon you. Help us to remember that in all things, you work for the good of those who love you, who have been called according to your purpose. Help us, O God, to remember that sometimes obstacles in the road are there to protect us from the precipitous fall that awaits just beyond our line of vision. Raise up your children, and make us equal to the tasks you are placing before us. Help us to ask the important questions. Rather than why me, help us ask, Lord, is it I? Yes. Help us to remember also that when we point a finger at someone else, three fingers are pointing back at ourselves. It is not for us to judge others. And to do so, takes away energy and distracts from what we can control, our own actions and our own words. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In a recent article about anger in America, this statement caught my eye. Listen to this. What world do you live in? In light of the late acts of terror, turmoil, and violence around us, 
all the way from Beirut to Kenosha to Portland to Detroit to Atlanta to Rochester to Minneapolis and now Salt Lake City. It is easy to fall into the hostility of the world. The hostility, the one that is well-crafted by just a few angry people. Some have branded their names and their actions with religion even. They've They've misrepresented and misinterpreted the scripted word. Or they've used it in a warped way to legitimize their actions in honor of religion. How could one believe or make others believe that sacrificing innocent lives in the most violent way could be done in the name of God? My friends, look back again and read the the first and second letter of Peter. Look and see what he was talking about. Wasn't Peter saying to the early church that God's way in a world of anger and hostility is a way of love, peace, hope, courage, truth, and promise? And honestly, I don't think I've missed the simple fact that whatever banner we are currently waving these days, that God's way, God's truth, God's call to action can and will have several different interpretations depending on what a person is trying to achieve, depending on what philosophies, theologies, and political positions a person might be carrying, depending on what positions a person might be trying to put upon others around them. We can all twist God's words if we want to. I encourage you to go back and read the scripture for today. You know, there are some experts that are convinced that anger is a common response simply to fear. Once again, I think, the Apostle Peter reminds us today. This is from our reading. Quote, So stop being afraid and don't worry about what people might do to you. Honor Christ and let him be the Lord of your life. Always be ready to give an answer when someone asks you about the hope within you. So where is all this anger coming from? Why do we get angry? Does anger have a purpose, really? Can anger be a good thing? And what can we do to diffuse all the anger around us and within us? Indeed, these are all good questions for us to be asking ourselves and asking of those around us. But the challenge for us personally this week, and you notice I said us, all of us, this is our weekly challenge. Here it is. What can I do? How can I do my part? Because doesn't peace, doesn't knowing and understanding and managing the anger within me and around me, doesn't it really begin with me? Number one, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's not sweep this under the rug. Let's not say it doesn't exist because we know it does. Be 
honest with ourselves. Two, pray. Start start putting pr- the, the whole issue of anger in your daily prayers. Thirdly, love. Love. Seek to love all times. Next, respect. Respect all people, even those people that are angry with you, even if you really, really disagree with them. Seek to respect them. And one way that we do that next is by listening to them. Boy, do I have to work on that one. Whether I agree with them or not, even if they're angry, okay? Even if I'm angry, respect and listen to the other people, whether it's someone in front of you or someone across the globe, okay? Next, seek to understand. I didn't say seek to agree. Seek to understand them. Try to figure out where their anger is coming from. Try to figure out what is really going on. I can tell you, we all know this. When we love and respect and listen to other people and seek to understand them, it does a lot. It does a whole lot for dialing down the anger level. Next, If we are going to support any position, if we're going to grab a position and maybe join a group or something, if we're going to get angry, be sure to do it with wisdom, care, and with caution. Okay? We're almost done. And this is really important. Engage my faith in Christ. I mean, Peter goes through this whole reading about hostility, about choosing love over over anger, about hostility. And then he says, quote, honor Christ and let him be the Lord of your life. I'll tell you what, I know when I'm angry, I'm not doing well honoring Christ and letting him be the Lord of my life. And lastly, I think engaging my faith and honoring Christ and letting him be Lord of my life should be first, right in the middle, reminded of ourselves, remind each other all the time. And I'll tell you what, lastly, hope, trust, hope, and persevere. The next time we encounter anger, do it all again. Do it again. Go through the whole thing again. Be honest, pray, love, respect, listen, seek to understand. Support any position with wisdom, care, and caution. And always honor Christ and let him Be the Lord of your life. Oh God, may it be. May these words, may these thoughts, may all these questions that are going on right now with us, may they be placed in your hands. Take our anger, oh God. Take our anger and do something holy with it. Amen and amen.